Hey, what's up, Packers fans? This is the G-Spot Packers Podcast. I'm Paul, and I got Brian here hosting with me. Check us out on Twitter at the G-Spot Packer 1. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or CastBox. Brian, we, we enjoyed the bye week almost as much as the players did. Took a took a bye week ourselves and uh, relaxed last week. So it's been a while since we've uh, done this podcast, but uh, last week before the bye, Packers had a nice bounce back win. Uh against the Panthers. It was nice to see this team stop the run against Christian McCaffrey just enough to get that win. Yeah, that was really close at the end. Really still no one's sure if he actually got the ball into the end zone or not, but it was called on the field. No touchdown. Replay couldn't overturn it, and the Packers got to 8-2. and two. Guaranteed that there's going to be no con- third consecutive losing season, so those past two losing seasons, they are fully in the rearview mirror. On this podcast, we're going to talk about that game. We're going to get into the game ahead against the 49ers. We're going to break down kind of this sort of midway point of the season, how the Packers have been doing holistically, both offensively and defensively. Talk about things that have been going on in the NFL recently. And finally, our hat cheddar hot takes of the week. But we begin with this game against the Panthers. Packers really seem to regain their stride and played a pretty good game. Offensively, the running game looked good again, and especially a good day for Aaron Jones, who had three touchdowns. My frustration continued. It was another week of penalties that are holding this defense back and killed drives. Yeah, holding the offense back. Um, these these false start penalties, delay a game penalties. I mean, it's just these pre-snap penalties that are so frustrating. Packers are amongst league leaders in both of the, those bad categories. Um, you know, do you think that this is a play calling issue? Just a, you know, discipline issue. What what's going on with these? Um, whether it's Rodgers, you know taking his time to read the defense and adjust the play or the play is not coming in on time or probably both. It seems that this is a systematic issue for this team and it's not something they're going to be able to solve at least this season. Yeah, that's uh, it's disappointing to hear that. Hopefully some stuff got adjusted over the bye week in terms of getting the play in and on time and other potential issues like that. But yeah, it, it really just seems to be lingering week to week. Um, the defense though, they, they really did turn it on and have a pretty good game after, uh, struggling for the past several games. Um, like we said, lockdown, uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, amongst other things. Absolutely. It was a good step forward against a very potent, uh, player. Kenny Clark looks like he's back. He played probably his best game of the year so far. Yeah, I don't know if he necessarily went anywhere or if he was just getting double team, playing a little injured. He still played pretty solid, but yeah, it was it was fun seeing him get in the mix and uh, start to hit the quarterback a little bit. Um, but uh, some other guys had some pretty good games too. Yeah, the pass rush looked like it was back to early portions of the seasons, especially the Smith brothers. Preston Smith had two sacks and Zadarius Smith just seemed to be living in the backfield, uh, getting after Kyle Allen all game, and especially the last drive was just in his face, disrupting everything. Yeah, you know, even though he made he didn't have the like a huge sack numbers, you know, I think he got credited for fourteen or fifteen pressures, which I mean that's just insane. I mean that's that's getting to the quarterback and messing with them, you know, and something like 
you know, 20, 30% of the uh, snaps. That's, that's crazy. Um, but one item that, you know, that we talked about, uh, just holding uh, Christian McCaffrey in check, you know, 108 rushing yards, 33 passing yards, and a touchdown. It might seem like a lot for locking some guy down, quote-unquote, but for as good as he's been and for as bad as our run defense has been, that was a pretty good performance. Christian McCaffrey's having an unbelievable season and what he's done against uh, defenses that have had better statistic uh, seasons so far. This was a great uh, showing for our defense. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, normally we do like to dive into the games a little bit more, but since it's been like a week and a half since this game happened with the bye week, uh, it's, let's, let's just dive into that more holistic uh, view that we were talking about. It's kind of that unofficial midpoint of the season, uh, with the bye, especially a little bit later on and uh, factoring that, that there's going to be some playoff football that the Packers are most likely going to be in. Um, it's really good to uh, review everything as a whole. I guess just first, what what are your broad strokes, uh, overall feelings of this football team? Right now where the standings are, I'm pleasantly surprised with the Packers being 8-2. and two. Um, They control their own destiny and have a chance to be the top seed in the NFC, in a very tough NFC. I thought this team was going to struggle a little out of the gate, just trying to get used to a new coach, have some growing pains, and... They've done really well so far. Um, both the defense and, and offense have helped each other out when the other hasn't had such a great game. And this team just seems to have a chemistry that I wasn't expecting to see right away in the first half of the season um, in the first year of a new head coach. You know, personally, I, I wouldn't say that I'm surprised, Bruce, but I'm definitely happy. You know, before the season, you know, I, I said a few times, I think the range was between six and ten for a floor and and like 13 and three for a ceiling. So we're, we're on pace for that ceiling projection. So it's awesome. I'm ha- happy. And as you kind of touched on there, I'm, I'm really happy to, and excited to see just the energy and passion that has seemed to have been gone from this team for at least the past, the, the, you know, the last two or three years of the McCarthy reign, really ever since the 2014 NFC championship game. And then uh, as uh, for the offense as a whole, I guess, what, what are your overall impressions of the offense itself, um, as well as name a player who's impressed you and name a player who's disappointed you? The offense, I think, is still making steps, which uh, I think has been kind of the expectation. We've seen glimpses of how good it can be, but it's still a work in progress, just getting used to the Matt LaFleur system and getting rid of some of Aaron Rodgers' uh old habits with the old offense. Um, So I think they're on pace and they look pretty good. I'm really enjoying how much we're getting the running backs involved in the passing game, seeing some creativity. Uh, The player I'm most impressed with so far is Elton Jenkins. Um, I thought that he'd have a chance to come in and maybe start and play, depending if, uh, especially when Lane Taylor went down with the injury, but he has not only filled in and just kind of held his own, he's solidified himself in that line as one of the the better players there and is doing an amazing job pass blocking. Um, Something I didn't expect from his first season. The player on offense I'm most disappointed with is Geronimo Allison. Um, I thought coming in on a one-year deal after the way he kind of started last year, I wasn't expecting him to be amazing, 
but I expect him to be a very integral part in the passing game with lots of opportunities. And he has had a little bit of a case of the drops and really hasn't kind of found that potential. I thought he was going to do in a contract season. Yeah, those are two two good uh, players there. Um, overall, I, I would say I'm pretty impressed. Um, and I'm really enjoying the diversity. And you kind of touched on that uh, with the running backs get involved. But, you know, I'm just I'm happy that we're not just in 11 personnel seemingly all the time like we were with McCarthy. You know, the tight ends, you know, they've also been really involved. Um, getting Mercedes Lewis, uh, who seemed to have nothing going on last year, has been a really key member. Uh, even Jimmy Graham, uh, much maligned uh, by Packer fans, deservedly so, has uh, been having a sneaky good year. Maybe not quite worth being the top paid tight end, but he's been uh, blocking, he's been catching, he's been doing a good job. But for me, my the most impressed uh, is Alan Lazard, which I'm surprised you didn't take him. Elton Jenkins was a good choice, but your boy Alan Lazard came from missing the final 53 cuts to going out and being what's really the uh, a solid number two receiver, or at least for the Packers, the solid number two. Um, and that does lead me into the most disappointing guy. Um, you took Geronimo. I'm most disappointed with uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling. Um, he was the guy that I expected to be that number two threat from Aaron Rodgers, um, building upon him being just a deep threat last year. But it doesn't seem like he has done that. Um, he he's had some drops too, and it doesn't seem to have quite refined the routes the, in the way that I was hoping he is. So hopefully we can have uh, both Geronimo and. Uh, MVS have a bounce back uh, second half of the season. Uh, with that said, then let's talk, jump in the defense. So same thing, just kind of your view as a whole, and then player who's impressed you, player who's disappointed you. The defense as a whole came out of the gate really fast, and uh, I was shocked, and I thought it was going to be an elite defense then. They've tapered off, and it's been really kind of frustrating um, seeing – the defense uh, not be as sharp, but the the pass rush of it has been really impressive. I'm looking for that secondary with those young guys to continue to improve, hopefully get a little more chemistry and solidify um, their coverages because I, I don't like seeing all the blown coverages we've been seeing a little bit later um, as the season's gone on. For a player that's impressed me, um, the Smith brothers have, but I'm going to go specifically with Preston Smith being the guy – projected to be more of the second fiddle to that he has really come out and proved that he's worth every penny of that contract and maybe even more because he has really stepped up to play almost a 1b to Zadarius's uh 1a um moving to the most disappointed player for me on defense is definitely josh jackson um one of my favorite guys coming out uh in the draft and it's turning out to be a really poor uh pick for us and i really have no answer because his opportunities have been late against garbage time and he hasn't done very well then. And they really haven't given him much to prove if he can make this team. So I'm questioning why they didn't try to trade him or anything if they're not even going to play him. Yeah, he has been really disappointing for, you know, we were both really high on him for ever since the the draft. Uh, We thought he should have been the first cornerback taken Obviously, Jair was uh, for us, and he's been he's been much better. Um, 
for me overall the defense though it's just it's a bit of a mixed bag you know it's it's really fun to see the packers getting back to high sacks high turnovers something that we haven't seen in a while you know, leading the league uh, you know amongst league leaders in both these categories uh, but it's also painful to watch this defense just bleed yards away I agree completely because it's just maddening um, not only watching it, but knowing that Rodgers is uh, spending his time on the bench. Yeah, yeah, it, it is It is frustrating. But, you know, the, the thing that I, I, you know, really have been thinking about recently is, you know, Petten, you know, you said it. Um, you know, th- what they're trying to do is he's trying to make the opposing quarterback's life hell. And he's throwing all this stuff at him. And I think in every play, you know, there's basically a, hey, there's there's a, a way or two that you can beat us, but you're going to have to uh, suffer some pain from us uh, in order to do so. And uh, it, it's it showed where there, there's been times where, uh, you know, they can go out, the opposing team, and get these yards. Uh, but then there's also these other times where they'll take a big sack or give a big inter- interception. Do you think that's kind of what's going on or do you see it differently? Um, to a degree, I think I agree. Biggest thing um, is that the veteran quarterbacks can read some of his schemes when he tries to bring pressure and we take advantage of young quarterbacks. So I don't know the answer to try and improve against the veterans except just better execution. I mean, it's tough for any defense against a veteran quarterback. Yeah. So then going into most impressed, I would say Darnell Savage, even though ever since coming back from the injury, he hasn't been quite the same player that he was before. Um, but he still came in right away and started and helped solidify the back end of that defense, that safety position that was so sore, sorely uh, one of our Packers weaknesses for years now, even before HaHa Clinton Dix. Um, he's got that blazing speed, um, allows him to cover tons of the field, able to uh, bounce back and recover from a you know misread or something like that. Um, I think he's he certainly is looking like his ceiling is going to be a perennial All Pro. So let's hope for that. Most disappointed, um, you, you took my answer, but the other guy that's right behind him is Oren Burks, who is picked in the next pick after Josh Jackson. Again, a guy who's just not seeing the field. He's getting limited snaps. I know he had that pectoral injury in training camp uh, that looked like it might end his season, but ended up not doing so. Uh, But he just hasn't done much since returning from that pec injury. Yeah, it's been disappointing. Speaking of injuries, though, um, we uh, are going to go into our injury report like we do every week, and it's just amazing how small this is. Uh, out last week, uh, the last game was Robert Tanyan. He was the only uh, injured uh, player to be scratched from the game. Uh, Tremont Smith, he left with a concussion. He got his bell rung pretty pretty well on one of those uh, returns there. Uh, but other than that, that, that was that was it. That was it for injuries. And this week, everyone on the 53-man roster has been practicing, and it doesn't look like there's anybody – who's going to be missing this game with an injury. Yeah, it'll be uh, pretty interesting to see who's on the uh, not active list. Um, hopefully we can get Tremont Smith back because I don't know if we really have too many options as returners. So 
Hopefully we can get him back because he was a decently impactful returner for us for a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, it, this has been by far the healthiest the Packers have really ever been since I've I've been watching them. What what do you think what do you think's the secret sauce here? What how has Matt LaFleur come in and done something differently? Um, I know that's kind of been something people are hinting at, but I think it's more just luck turning for the team. Um, I think things eventually balance out. So our luck's just turning. We're going to have a little bit of a healthy year than maybe this year and next year. I, I, I can't, I can't get on board with that. I, I, mean, I don't know what the answer is. I, I wish I did. I, I would hope that some beat writer does some in-depth analysis on what's changed. But it, to me, this is beyond the point where you can just say it's luck. I mean, we, we've had so much good uh, injury luck to happen to realize it's got to be something that's going on. We've got only a couple key guys on injured reserve and no one that is having any nagging, lingering, lingering injuries that seem to be keep, keeping them out uh, in the weeks to come. So let's, let's hope that it truly is something that LaFleur did and it's not just luck that's going to creep back up, up on us, but I don't know. We'll see. Maybe if it continues for three years. All right, and then before we then jump into uh, the 49ers game, uh, there has been some interesting news in the NFL recently. First off, Colin Kaepernick had a, I would say, interesting tryout that was scheduled by the NFL. Um, had some drama behind it. Did, were you following that? Did, did you did you see what happened with that? Oh uh, yeah, it's it's pretty unfortunate. It seems to me, in my opinion, that it's a mostly just a stunt by the NFL to keep Kaepernick from suing them, him, the NFL again. And uh, it's unfortunate because I think everyone can kind of say he has a talent to be on a team somewhere. And unfortunately I just don't think that'll happen. Yeah. It, it, it just seemed fishy. You know, they, they asked Kaepernick like less than a week in advance, gave him two hours to say yes or no. They had the tryout on a Saturday when all these teams are scouting college players and it just, it just seems so fishy to, to me. The only thing I heard that I think makes sense is that part of this settlement that Colin Kaepernick had with uh, the NFL must've had something in there to say that he needs to have a, a workout scheduled by the NFL. Did you, do you see anything like that or do you have any other theories? Um, I didn't see anything on that, but that would make sense because it really felt like the NFL was trying to prevent this from being, um, you know, useful for teams. So yeah. I, I could get on board with that. Yeah. To make things even weirder, Colin Kaepernick didn't even do the official workout, uh, because they wouldn't allow cameras in there, uh, to show to everyone that he could still play. So he went to some high school field, uh, did a workout, and I think seven teams uh, actually went and saw him. So disappointing um, that it's come to this, but I guess uh, I guess he was that divisive uh, in trying to get black people to not die. Uh, but anyways, uh, we got some other interesting news. Uh, speaking of people dying on the field, um, uh, Miles Garrett almost killed a man. Uh, 
maybe not quite, but uh, what did you think of uh, that that little uh, skirmish at the end of that game? It wasn't quite a trident, but it definitely was wild like that fight uh, in Anchorman. I don't yeah. know what he was thinking or uh, if he even was, but he has been playing this year um, on the edge, and I believe he has gotten thrown out of a game earlier this season. So I'm not shocked that he got thrown out, but that last move hitting uh, Mason Rudolph with his own helmet was something I never thought I'd see. Yeah, definitely something interesting. You know, people have said for a while that the Browns uh, have been undisciplined all year. They really have looked at, and they certainly looked at there. I don't know how you, uh, even though Rudolph definitely instigated it. Mason Rudolph's a little bitch, by the way. Just, I mean, did you see how he started picking that fight, kicked him in the nuts, and then was, oh, all offended. Oh, you hit me in the head. I mean, come on. Uh, Yeah, it was all crazy, especially since it was like probably the last play of the game if there's not a stoppage of clock on that play. I mean, with eight seconds left, that uh, debauchery doesn't need to be happening. Yeah, so, you know, it it takes one of the Browns' few wins and it completely tarnishes it. So I I don't know. I I have a feeling that Freddie Kitchens, uh, the Browns' head coach, uh, might be a bit on the hot seat. Uh, what do you think? Oh, I think for sure he's already fired. I don't believe that he's coming back at all. I just think there's no better option at the moment, and they might as well just finish out the season. Yeah, it seemed like an interesting hire at the time. A year ago, uh, or maybe not, a little over a year ago, uh, Freddie Kitchens was the running backs coach. When Hugh Jackson got fired, uh, Freddie Kitchens got promoted to offensive coordinator and was credited for helping turn around Baker Mayfield. Um, and then somehow uh, ended up landing the head coach job, but really seems to be uh, just over his head uh, on this and not able to do it. And with Baker's regression, um, I think that's the the sign that he's not coming back. Yeah, I, I think – Freddie's a guy who uh, could have used uh, to stay in that Fred head uh, offense coordinator position uh, at least a few more years before being considered for a head coach. Uh, but uh, here, here's my hot take. I'm pretty sure I've tweeted it from our account before. Um, I'm predicting that not only does Freddie Kitchens get fired, but our boy Mike McCarthy gets hired in. What do you think about that one? I was kind of rumored that the Browns might be interested in him there with some of the ex-Packer ties there. Hey, I want to see Mike McCarthy come back because uh, Packer fans seem to forget that he was a good head coach for us and love just blaming him for anything that ever went wrong. So I'd like to see him have a little bit of success. Yeah, me too. I, I would definitely love to see that. Um, and especially him going to an AFC team, I think would be ideal. So we would see him. Uh, at most uh, once every four years, uh, unless unless there's a Super Bowl matchup. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. You, you. you look at Andy Reid as a great example of a guy who had a sputtering at the end of his career in Philadelphia and then came back uh, to coach for the Chiefs and is doing fantastic there. So I see the same thing happening for Mike McCarthy. All right, um, so then um, – Let's. We got to jump in. We got a big game this week. Quite possibly the toughest opponent that the Packers have on the 
schedule all season. They play the eight and one 49ers currently in first place. This is a huge game and it's going to be a battle for first place in the NFC and the Packers uh, with their schedule control their destiny for the top seed. If they win out, they can clinch that spot. No problem. They don't need any help from anybody else. And so I don't know if it's possible for them to run the table like they did uh, a few years back, but they do we get that top seed yeah uh and so this was a game that uh, obviously the nfl realizes a big one was originally scheduled to be earlier in the day but got flexed to be that sunday night game uh so it should be a big one um but w- let's dive into the 49ers uh what does this team look like what's got them to be that eight and one let's let's start with their offense what what do they got there Well, offensively, they're led by that bold move, picking up Jimmy G from the Patriots a few years back. Um, He's been playing very well for them after being out most of the year injured last year. Um, Their running backs are kind of a two-headed team with Matt Breida and Telvin Coleman. Um, Their wide receivers, they at the trade deadline, they picked up Emmanuel Sanders to add to Marquise Godwin and rookie Debo Samuel. And finally, you round out with arguably the best tight end in the league with George Kittle. Yeah, they got a really potent offense, uh, but uh, you know they're they're a little bit banged up. Uh, let's see, Joe Staley, uh, one of their star offensive tackles, he's already listed as out. Uh, George Kittle's questionable; he's already missed uh, two or three games already. Emmanuel Sanders uh, got banged up in the last game. Uh, Debo Samuel got banged up in the last game. Uh, it's going to be a tough go for them. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit tough. Hopefully, I'm hoping George Kittle doesn't play because uh, tight ends have kind of hurt this defense, and without him, that would be a huge help to our defense. Definitely. So then what about their defense? Uh, it's uh, been another one of those scary defenses uh, that the Packers are going to have to go up against. Absolutely. This defensive line for the 49ers is extremely fearsome. They have uh, the defensive rookie of the year, in my opinion, in Nick Bosa, um, which they also include DeForest Bunkner, D. Ford, and Eric Armstead. That's a formidable front that's going to be very tough for our good offensive line to handle. Yeah, they 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 got an incredible front seven. Um, the thing that scares me, we already got toyed around by another team with a great front seven, uh, led by Abosa. Um, does uh, Nick Bosa, the younger brother of Joey Bosa, do the same thing? Ooh, I hope that we learned a little something facing his brother, and maybe that can help us uh, slow down Nick, because those two are both having just incredible seasons. And if Nick's going to terrorize us like uh, his brother Joey did with the charges, it's going to be a long day. Um, But there is good news uh, for the Packers. D Ford is also doubtful for the game. So that might take a little bit of that pass rush off. Yeah, that would be huge. Uh, Moving to their linebackers, um, their best linebacker and the guy in the middle that you're going to have to watch out for is Fred Warner. And their cornerbacks start out with uh, everyone's favorite Seahawk with Richard Sherman and uh, Akello Witherspoon. Um, those two will be playing against their offense. And their safeties are Jimmy Ward and Jakeski Tart. Yeah, uh, Richard Sherman really brings us back to uh, those those fights with the Seahawks. Um, 
definitely has been a, a guy we've learned to love to hate. Um, but what, what do you see um, the 49ers trying to do uh, against us? You know, that offense, we talked about them being banged up. You know, how much of that loss of Staley and that potential loss of George uh, Kittle hurt us? Well, the uh, 49ers have a similar offense to what the Packers are trying to do under Matt LaFleur, and they have a strong running game, which sets up the pass. And even with those injuries, that's exactly what they're going to try to do. Statistically, they're second in the league in rushing the ball. And uh, as I think all of our fans know, our defense has had some tough times against uh, the rushing attack. So I think that's exactly where this 49ers uh, offense is going to start. Yeah. And so hopefully they can replicate what they did against McCaffrey, but I'm not sure if they can devote the resources to that uh, with a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo and the weapons he has. Um, but then on defense, you know, again, going with the injuries, you know, if D Ford actually uh, plays 49ers could really disrupt Rodgers with just that four man rush dropping seven to cover. Um, you know, do you think they can still do that with the likely scenario that he doesn't play? You know, him being listed as doubtful. Uh, they have some very, very good depth on this defense. So even with those guys missing the game, potentially, uh, I think this defense is going to continue to try to do what they do best. If they can try and stop the run and let their first rank pass pass uh, defense go up against Aaron Rodgers when they know he has to pass. I mean, nobody really wants to force Aaron Rodgers to uh, throw the ball, but hey, when you got the number one pass defense, you got to try it that way. So I think that's how they're going to attack the ball. Stop Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and let that defense do what it does best. Yeah. So then going into what the Packers are going to do, it sounds like uh, you think Fleur needs to get to a hot start. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. Anytime we go to a hot start, that helps our defense. And it also kind of gets our offense in a rhythm. These teams are pretty similar in the way they're made up and what they're trying to do. So it's going to come down to execution. And uh, I think having Aaron Rodgers on our side tips the scales in our favor. So, you know, we're going to try and start to run the ball. Like I said, the 49ers should. And hopefully that'll open up the passing attack to, to let Aaron Rodgers really open up in the second half and pull away from the 49ers. All right. What do you what do you think Petten's going to do then? Same type of strategy against Christian McCaffrey, or do you think he's going to be more along the lines of letting them run on us like he kind of has uh, allowed all season? Let, let them run on us, but it will stop everything else. I'm hoping for a little bit of a mix because it's pretty frustrating watching that uh, just let them slowly move down the field and hope for them to make a mistake. Um, it has been a struggle for us against the run. So I hope they, uh, give a little bit of resources to try and stop that two headed rushing attack. They have, um, like I mentioned, the 49ers are second in the league in rushing. It's not Christian McCaffrey, but with those two, they have a very formidable attack. And with some of those pass catching weapons, maybe missing the game, maybe we can dedicate those extra men to stop the run. Yeah. Well, we will see as we always do. Um, but one thing to note uh, on this game, uh, there are some really close connections on this coaching staff. Obviously, you know, everyone's been talking about the LaFleur and Shanahan connection. Uh, you know, they uh, most notably played uh, or were coaches in Washington together with Shanahan as the offense coordinator 
and LaFleur is a quarterback's coach, but they started it in Houston under Gary Kubiak. Um, but also, uh, Shanahan was uh, Mike Pettin's offensive coordinator for a little bit while Mike Pettin was the uh, head coach in Cleveland. Continuing, Mike LaFleur, the younger brother of Matt LaFleur, is the passing game coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. And then finally, the one that really started it all is Robert Salah, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers, and Matt LaFleur go way back, uh, way back to uh, both being Michigan-born. Also, uh, Robert Salah and uh, LaFleur were at Central Michigan together as offensive and defensive assistants. Um, And Salah actually was the guy who recommended LaFleur for the uh, open job in Houston uh, for the uh, quality control uh, position while Salah was a defensive quality control uh, coach. So with that laundry list there, just my question is, how do these mind games increase here? You know, it feels like they're going to be playing 3D chess uh, on the football field. Yeah, I felt like I needed a uh, board with string kind of connecting every one of those pictures together to follow all that. But yeah, little it's always sunny in Philadelphia meme. Absolutely. I think uh, like you're saying, that's going to be kind of a challenge for both sides since they know each one of each other very, very well. And if you're Matt LaFleur, it's time to dig into your uh, secret black book of plays and find those plays that you only know of. Or have Aaron Rodgers and pray that he makes some plays. I think Aaron Rodgers might be the thing that uh, tips that. Uh, He can certainly uh, make some magic happen. So, all right. um, Enough with that. Uh, We go into our division watch. uh, Start with the Bears, uh, who have not been doing so hot. They beat the Stafford list Lions, but then they lost to the Rams. And it wasn't a pretty loss. Tabriskie... He had a hip injury in the game and eventually got pulled. Uh, Matt Nagy said it was because of that hip injury, but most people are speculating that that was more of a, he got hurt and not injured and he got benched instead of uh, pulled for injury. Yeah. And they barely beat the lions and uh, that was kind of, you know, a lucky win for them trying to pull that out against a team without their starting quarterback. Trubisky's play all season has been pretty bad, and I, I mean, I don't I hate to speculate on if the injury is real or not, just in case it is. But his play is leaving questions on that because we felt he should have been pulled weeks ago. Yeah. So then this week they do get a bit of a breather. They play against the two and eight Giants. Yeah, the Giants aren't very good, but this Bears team also is kind of sinking. And we'll see the character of the Bears team if they struggle again offensively. Yeah. All right. And then the Lions, um, a kind of a sad story without Safford. They lost both games. Uh, they kept it close, uh, both one-score games. Absolutely. It was uh, pretty much surprising how well that offense kind of held it together even without Stafford. Again, the story for the whole season for the Lions is the defense – is still the weak link on that team, and that's why they'll be picking in the top 10. Yeah, uh, you, you know, it, it is kind of that point in the season for these two teams where you, you really want to start to root for them uh, so that they don't get that uh, top 10 draft pick. But uh, 
then we laugh about the Bears because they don't have a first-round pick this year. So they they can just tank. And they're trying. <laughs> yeah, they are trying. Oh, Matt Nagy is trying, that's for sure. Um, the Vikings, then, you know, they won both games against the Cowboys and the uh, Broncos. They were both close games with uh, late comebacks. They were down in the fourth quarter in both of those games. But they pulled it out. It was extremely frustrating uh, watching the Vikings, uh, especially this last one, the Broncos, down 20 points. Um, they find a way to come back, win the game, and I was just hoping that the Packers could get a freebie um, up on the Vikings, just help us in our playoff push as we're moving forward, Give us take a little bit of the pressure off. Yeah, that would be great. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Um, and this week, they get to rest up on their bye week. Yeah, the, the division, uh, you know, it had a, you know, some highs and lows over the past couple of weeks, uh, but the standings still have the good guys on top. The Packers, uh, eight and two. Uh, Vikings then are a half game behind at eight and three. Bears four and six, four games behind, and the Lions three six and one, about four and a half games behind. Um, once this seemed like the best division in football, now just clearly a two team race. Uh, Bears and Lions just both with dismal playoff odds at this point. Yeah, things are getting a little bit clearer in this division. Like you said, it's going to be a two-man race. I just can't imagine in the beginning of the season we were talking about the rift that we were kind of seeing in Minnesota. If that would have gotten worse and just kind of gotten out of hand, where would this division sit with the Packers a comfortable lead just trying to chase down that top seed? Yeah, it is wild. You know, it really looked like the Vikings were falling apart with uh, Adam Thielen, you know, crying, and then and then Stefan Diggs skipping practice. Um, but they really have pulled it together, and uh, I guess uh, props to them. Unfortunately, all right. So then we go to our final segment of the week, uh, our favorite every week, our hot cheddar hot ticks of the week. What you got? The Packers' relentless pass rush has a day to remember against this 49ers offense. With them missing offensive tackle Staley and without George Kittle, the Packers bothered Jimmy G all game, and they have seven different Packers record at least one half sack. Seven? That's a lot. That I, I would love to see it. All right, so... What I got here is that Rodgers takes advantage of the bye and the 49ers loss of D Ford and does what no team has done to the 49ers this year and lights them up. Rodgers torches the 49ers defense for four touchdowns to four different receivers, all while flirting with, but eventually falling just shy of another perfect passer rating. So that's all we got for this week. Thanks for listening to the G spot Packers podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the G spot Packer one. Please subscribe if you liked it, and if you really like it, share it with your friends and colleagues. And as always, go Pack Go!